This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I am your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. And as that intro was playing, the music and all that stuff that I do, and I was listening to this, the opening song. It's a song called Ram. It's by a friend of mine, uh, his band, The Yolius. That's the name of the name of the band. The Yolius. It's, yeah, it's a thing. Uh, I don't think the band's around anymore, but my friend still is. Uh, anyway... Um, but as I was listening to that, I was expecting to hear myself start talking. And then I realized, no, wait a minute, I have to start talking in order to hear myself talking. You know, I was, I was just, I thought I was listening. Anyway, just a odd thing that uh, occurred to me as the show was starting up. So last week, I talked about um, the workplace where my wife uh, works. And how they um, they had a uh, a basement problem, uh, water main breaking outside the building this time, because it had happened before. Had a water problem in the basement with a water main that op- that broke inside the building in the basement. This was like 15 years ago, 16 or so years ago, but this last time was just a you know a couple weeks ago now, <laughs> and and. Uh, you know, they had a bunch of water and mud in the basement and, and all that. Uh, the, the, they had to, uh, the city had to come and uh, dig a big hole in the street and tear up the sidewalk and dig down and, and fix, repair the, the pipe and then, you know, reset everything so that uh, it won't, you know, the sidewalk won't collapse and all that and backfill and do what they got to do. And, uh, uh, and the sidewalk has been repaved. Uh, uh, or you know the the part that they had to cut out, they they've replaced it. The street's been repaved, and uh, things were re- getting back to normal. They were still going through the mess that's downstairs and taking stuff. You know, Amy, um, the way the uh, process works in silk screening, at least the way they do it at the shop, and I think it's pretty similar to in other shops. You you make film. Uh, it's it's um, it's a clear p- piece of plastic that you that uh, well they they put it through a printer which lays down just flat black or you know uh, half tones things of that nature um, that that to to make the prints and so it's uh, so it's just black ink on a on a clear piece of plastic uh, and then that's shot uh, onto a screen. The screens are, they're not necessarily silk, but it's a material that have different uh, 
different size of mesh. Some are some have a lot more and a lot, lot tighter mesh and a lot more uh, uh, little squares in the mesh than others. Others will have will have less. Uh, it's it's you know depending on how intricate a print looks, the the higher the 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 count of the of the mesh, uh, the more intricate detail that can be done. Anyway, so. Um, those screens are coated with a, 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 a chemical. It's that there, there's a, uh, and then that uh, an emulsion is, goes over the screen, and that's that emulsion stays kind of soft. Uh, and then you take the film, and anything that's black on the film will block light from getting to the emulsion on the screen. You put this on a light table, it gets vacuum sealed, and then it's exposed for a certain amount of time to the light. And anywhere the light hits, when it goes through the clear parts of the plastic, anywhere it hits, it hardens the emulsion. And anything that was black keeps the light from getting through, and that bit of the emulsion there remains soft. So then a high pressure uh, 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 spray thing can, uh, with water can push out uh, the emulsion there. And then you know, there's a little more that needs to be done with the screen, but then it's essentially that's ready to to set up into a, a, a printing machine uh, or you know an auto or a a manual one, and then the ink is put on the screen and it pushes through where the emulsion isn't, so that ends up on the shirt or sweatshirt or whatever whatever they're printing. So this film, uh, when Amy was was working there before. She would collect little scraps of the film that would have some prints on it. Uh, just sometimes it would just be um, just a swash of black, maybe faded out a little bit, uh, and and but then there would be just some images on things like like I don't know some flowers or something, something she'd find, and so she began to collect those, and then she makes these uh, uh, pieces of art out of them by you know taping them together uh, in interesting patterns onto a whiteboard or a graphic board, a board that has like a, a, a blue graph pattern in the back. Uh, she just, she creates these pieces of art. So with this disaster <laughs> that happened, she was able to pull film that's just not usable anymore. She may be able to uh, use it for making more art. That's cool. But anyway, so the disaster that took place a couple weeks ago uh, had s something else happen today. Uh, this is Friday when I record the show. So this morning, I drive Amy out to, to work. Uh, we get there usually just, you know, quarter to nine or so. But as we were approaching the intersection in which we turn uh, uh, to get to her building, uh, we couldn't make the turn because there was a fire engine parked across you know, blocking that inner, you know, that turn. You can't, you had to, we just had to keep going straight. You, you couldn't turn around. Uh, and so I just left her off there at the corner and she, she walked on to the, she could walk to her, her building. And I said, hey, let me know what's going on when you find out. And she found out. Uh, apparently, the work that was being done on the restaurant uh, that's next door to where Amy works, and that's the one that got the brunt of the really bad stuff, the water that pushed the wall down in the basement and just destroyed a bunch of inventory and stock and whatever they had down there. Um, 
there was work being done to repair stuff, and the workers, uh, they, they, they broke a gas main, a gas line. So gas was escaping. And, you know, the fire department has to come out, and, you know, the gas has to be turned off, and, and uh, yeah. Uh, so that's what happened. And if you, you may know of stories uh, where uh, a gas line gets busted, and gas seeps out, and something sparks the gas and causes a quite an explosion. Now, I mean, that potentially, this little thing this morning, potentially could have taken out a, a sizable chunk of that block of the you know the building the restaurant building and the building which uh, uh, which Amy works and there are people that live in these buildings I think on the upper floors it's certainly on in the building that Amy works in but the, the other buildings may have apartments up top I'm not sure but I mean it could have been it could have been big <laughs> it could have been really horrible luckily it wasn't uh, it, I, I'm reminded of there was a I don't know three or four summers ago I think it was um, there's a private school in Minneapolis not all that far from where the comic book store that I work at Nostalgia Zone check it out online nostalgiazone.com if you're looking for comic books get on there you can find some anyway um, it's not far from there there was a private school it was there were no students in the building or at least not many uh, being that it was summer, uh, but there were staff in there doing stuff, and there was some construction being done, and a gas line got severed, gas ex uh, escaped, and it ignited, it was sparked, and, and a, a huge explosion took place, and I think two people were killed. So I mean, that's serious stuff. So I think somebody, you know, ever since Amy's been working there, someone's out to get this place. Well, maybe not, but. Speaking of Amy, we did it last night. And we finally, uh, well, we did, uh, no, not that it. <laughs> not that it. I mean, I'm not going to, uh, not that it, okay? Uh, we decided to sign up for another streaming service. Uh, we, we, we were already uh, members of uh, Netflix, which we also get DVDs through that. We still do that. Uh, I usually watch a couple DVDs through there a month. And we had uh, also signed up for Paramount Plus a little, little more recently, a few months ago. Paramount Plus. Got that because the, all the Star Trek shows uh, were leaving all the other streaming services and going exclusive to Paramount Plus. And I listened to a podcast that reviews all the Star Trek shows. And I thought, well, damn it. <laughs> And it's not all that expensive, so we thought, okay, let's do that. And then, as uh, as time went along, I kept looking at this Disney Plus one, the the Plus service, Disney Plus. Kept looking. That's the new one we got. That's the one we just signed up for. Kept looking at it, thinking, ah, you know, it's got the Star Wars on there. It's got the Marvel movies on there. It's got Pixar. There's a bunch of Pixar films we haven't seen since our kid got older. And I'm interested in seeing them. Uh, it's got, and I found out it's got The Simpsons on there. That's cool. So we uh, we were um, contemplating it, talking about it. Amy and I, you know, should we do it? And what's it cost? And she looked it up. And said, it's not that bad. It's reasonable. It's like for a year, 
it's a uh, like eighty bucks. It's like eight bucks a month or eighty bucks for a year. So we went ahead and signed up for a year. There's some tax involved too, so it's more like eighty six something. But uh, so we set up for it, and uh, part of the reason also to get it is the Beatles Get Back uh, documentary series. And, uh, and so I, I had forgotten. So yeah, that's right. That's on there. And so we got it all set up last night, and uh, and then I watched the first part of the Beatles Get Back documentary. Uh, as made by Peter Jackson. He's the fellow who directed the uh, Lord of the Rings films, the Hobbit films, and he, he's done other other things. Uh, the, uh, a remake of King Kong. Um, he's done... Uh, I th he did a documentary, I think it's called They Shall Not They Shall Not Grow Old or something like that, uh, it, it, about World War One taking old footage from World War One, and man, that is such a fascinating documentary that he put together there because he was able to use technology of today to make old-time film look more current. He, You know, you know how old-time film, uh, people seem to move weirdly in there, and that's just because of the speed that the camera moves, uh, that the film, that the camera takes the pictures in the film, uh, it, it is, is not quite the natural speed that uh, that we can achieve now. So when we see somebody moving in a, uh, on a TV show or a movie or something, it looks right. It looks real. But we look at these other things, it's camera speed. And it was not always consistent between camera to camera to camera. So he was able to use technology that has been developed since then to smooth things out, to make it look right, to... To, and to clean up the images. Uh, it's just fascinating stuff. So anyway, he got a hold of the, uh, he, the all that documentary footage, uh, film footage and audio, foot, uh, audio footage, I guess, of, uh, of the Beatles working on uh, what would turn, into, turn out to be the Let It Be album, which was the last album that they released as a band, but it was not the last album they made as a band. That would be Abbey Road. But uh, due to weirdness with the project, it kind of got set aside. And Phil Spector, murderer, convicted murderer, was brought in to... He wasn't the convicted murderer at the time, but uh, uh, that was since then. He was brought in to kind of do what he could with what was there. And some of what he did, uh, the Beatles didn't care for. Like Paul McCartney didn't like what he did with uh, um, Long and Winding Road. Putting all this you know, all these strings and horns and stuff, and Paul didn't like that. But I like the song as it is because we know it that way, right? So um, it is a it's a long documentary series in that it's only three episodes, but each episode is over two hours. Uh, the first one's like a little over two and a half hours. The second episode is just under three hours, and the third and final episode is just under two hours and twenty minutes. So you're looking at about an eight-hour commitment to watch them. Um, and that can be kind of daunting. I, I've watched the first part. Did the, I watched that last night once we got things set up. And I've watched some of, maybe uh, not quite an hour, maybe 40 minutes of the second part uh, earlier this evening while I was you know, having a little something to eat after I got done working. And um, it is fascinating. It's just to watch these these guys craft some songs. 
Uh, it, that's not all that it, it, what the show is about, but uh, something I wanted to focus on. Uh, other people have talked about this uh, on their podcasts, uh, and I'll make a couple observations that they made. One is that um, not, not one of the Beatles, not one member of the Beatles had made it to 30 at the time that this was being made. They, they were all, like, the range of age, I think, was like 26 to 28. They were young guys. They were young, and, it, and they were producing this kind of stuff. Um, and it, 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 there was some, you know, talk about how you know Yoko Ono shows up in there. She sits with John, but you know, but Linda McCartney or Linda Eastman at the time, she they, I don't think they were married at that moment. Maybe they were. Anyway, she shows up and and hangs around. Doesn't sit by Paul's side, but she's there. Uh, Ringo's wife at the time shows up. Some friends of George Harrison, some Hari Krishnas, they show up and kind of hang out. Uh, but uh, but it is kind of weird that Yoko's sitting right, right next to John. But but we do get information in there where, where Paul even talks about it at the time. He talks about it and they're saying, you know, she's great. You know, he says that he loves her and, and they're together. It's, you know, it might, he's essentially saying it might seem kind of weird, but, you know, they're they're together and I think it was fairly early in their relationship. So they're, you know, the puppy love part of it is so they're just hanging with each other and enjoying each other a lot. Um, there are moments of tension. See, the, the, the documentary that came out initially uh, was called Let It Be. Uh, and the way that was put together and cut, it, it seemed like life was pretty miserable for the Beatles at that time period. And it, what Peter Jackson was saying was that all the film footage he watches, it's a different story. Yeah, there were tensions. Yes, there was uh, some problems that took, occurred while this was going on, but they still seemed like they were enjoying each other's company for the most part. They were having fun. They were, they were laughing a lot. They were goofing around. It's not... Yeah, but they were under some pressure to get this thing. What they were trying to do was uh, uh, set up and do a live album, uh, for which they would have created all these songs or got them all together, and then they would do a TV special. And there was this documentary film being made, and uh, it just it became quite the daunting task to do it. And then it culminates with that the famous concert on the roof which was the, the last time that all four of them played together uh, in, you know, live. You know, um, so, and I've been enjoying watching it. it yes, it's, at some points you feel like, okay, they can move it along here a little bit. Uh, I, I paused it last night. Uh, I went up to, I don't know, feed the cat or something. And uh, I paused it and I saw, I, got, I had like just under an hour left to go. And I went, really? <laughs> There's that much left to go? But it, it goes by pretty well. I, it slows down here and there. But uh, at the end of the first part, uh, George Harrison quits the band. Uh, spoiler, he does come back. I think you probably knew that. I mean, because they do finish the thing. They do the concert on the roof. George is there. And they did another album with George. So, you know, he comes back. Uh, I haven't seen how he comes back, but he does come back. Oh, actually, I did see it uh, in the second part. They do eventually get to where the, the, the boys go to talk to George a couple of times, uh, and the second time was a little more productive for them, and then the decision was made at the same time, let's give up working in this uh, movie studio 
and let's go to an actual recording studio and, and work there. Uh, so um, before I go on, I'm going to head to my first break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I'll return after this break. Other guys. The finger. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, on Z-Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and, of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Don't just take my word for it, but you are listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio, the number one choice for music, sports, news, and talk radio. So keep that dial locked to ztalkradio.com. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. You know, songs come from nowhere. <laughs> I mean, there's a there's a point at which a song doesn't exist, and then it does. Somebody writes it. Somebody creates it. Somebody records it. It, it's, it, it happens. And that, that's all kinds of things. There's, there's a, the, the Harry Potter books didn't exist, and then J.K. Rowling came along. You know, she wrote them, and they do exist. It's 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 the creative thing is really cool, and it's and watching get back, you see uh, songs beginning you know beginning to you know come together, <laughs> to use another a Beatles tune. Uh, but the thing is, uh. There's, there's, I think there's, there's three types of song creation uh, that uh, I was seeing with in, in this documentary so far. Uh, there's three types. Uh, one is uh, the, the the guys pull a song from their catalog from like way in the past that just they never recorded, but it was a song that John and Paul, John Lennon, Paul McCartney had written together, but just for whatever reason just never recorded it and they may have never gone on to play it anywhere. It's just, we got this little song. And, and uh, that would be, an example of that would be One After 909. It was something that they had written a long time ago and just never 
did anything with it, and then now they, they said, well, they bring it back. So it's it's already somewhat prepared. Now, that thing had to come out of nowhere, too, but it was already, it, within the documentary, it was already kind of there. It was maybe a skeleton of itself, what it would have become, but it was, it was already... There's a formation of that song already available to grab onto. The other ones are... Uh, the other type of song creation that happened that I've been seeing in this documentary is that um, it, somebody brings something they had been working on to it and, uh, and, and, and start to flesh it out there. They'd already been working on it before getting this whole thing going to do these rehearsals and write the songs uh, for the project. They'd already had something going, or in the case of uh, uh, George Harrison, uh, he was uh, during this process when they're doing it. He was at home, and he was watching something on TV, and he got inspired by a couple of things, and he came up with uh, uh, the just the beginnings of what would become the song "I Me Mine," and he brought that in, and that began to get fleshed out. But he, you know, he was a part of the from the band. But it was during this period, came to him, started working it out. And again, it comes out of nothing, but it's just something he starts to work on and, and it starts to become something. So he brings that in. The other type that I saw was the on-the-spot creation. And that's, and that's the, the big moment, uh, in the well, one of the big moments in the first part. And that is when Get Back, the song Get Back, starts to just come to Paul McCartney. He just, uh, he's, he, uh, John hasn't arrived yet, John and Yoko, they haven't arrived yet, but Paul's there. It's it's fairly early in their day. I think they gather by, you know, 11 or eight, 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. They gather to start their stuff and they probably work much, you know, way late. And uh, Paul's there. He's sitting on a chair. He's got his bass guitar and he's just kind of thumping on it, strumming it. And sitting in front of him on the riser uh, for for Ringo's drum kit uh, is Ringo and George, and, the, and the two of them are sitting right next to each other, and they're facing Paul. George has got his guitar ready to to play; he's kind of got it in position, and he's yawning quite a bit because it's just you know it's early in the day for them. And Paul is just starting to go thump 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 thump, and he starts to. Get back, get back! He starts doing that kind of thing. He's just, he's just, these things are coming to him as he's doing it, he's, and that's, that's the, the, as as I understand it, that's the moment where the stuff starts coming out. This is just, it, it's not something he was doing at home. It was not something that he was noodling around with. It's just at that moment right there, we're catching the start of something. Now, of course, every song that anybody writes has that. Just you just get started with it, but you know every song that's written that that's that you just get started. There might be something that pops into someone's mind, but here and then later you you bring it out. But here it was just he's just sitting there just you know, dum dum waiting for John to show up and ding 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 ding, and he starts coming up with this song, and it goes through an interesting progression as the show uh, as the documentary goes along. It's uh, they start working on lyrics and. Uh, it, it was initially 
and I'm going to give away a couple of things here, and I should, probably shouldn't, but uh, there was a lot of stuff in the news in the UK at the time. There were uh, certain groups of con uh, certain conservative politicians and groups of conservative uh, uh, British folks that were very concerned with immigrants. The problem of immigrants, my goodness. <laughs> I think as long as there's been immigrants, there have been people that don't like them. This is 1969. This is happening. Uh, and he was, it, as I understood it, he was making an anti-anti-immigration song. He was he was talking about people, you know, coming from Puerto Rico and coming from wherever. And he said, "Get back, get back to where you once belong." He'd gotten to that part, but it but it changes. It goes away from that. They don't they don't explain. At least I haven't seen an explanation for why it would go away from being an anti-immigration song to whatever the song became, because I'm not sure exactly what the song's about. It doesn't really matter. Uh, but it, it it it's it's just watching that moment. That, that that's the moment. That's the moment he was getting the idea for the song, and that's so cool. And this is something I think I might write to George Robb. Ask George. He does the podcast. Uh, uh, podcast. Uh, what is it? Um, the Geologic Podcast, and he has a segment on there called Ask George, and you can write him questions, and he's a musician, so a lot of people will write to him and ask him questions about music and stuff, and I've written a couple of questions to him about some music curiosities that I had, and he's answered them on the show, which is cool, and I'm thinking of asking him, i got to figure out how to formulate the question, because it's interesting to me how they divvy up song credit, because some of these songs, as you're seeing get back this this documentary flow did you watch it unfold it's a it's it, the song is credited to uh you know to Lennon and McCartney that's how the, that was their deal whether Paul wrote it or John wrote it both of them got credit on the song because they usually would bounce a little off each other uh, here what do you think of this and and the other might say well how about you do this with that little bit there you know that's and they may not they didn't for a long time they hadn't at least but you know by the time get back was being made what this 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 project was going on john and paul hadn't done a lot of sitting down with each other and writing songs like they had when they were first you know, friends and together in a band so it had been a while but it's just when i'm watching them you know when paul is doing that bass thing and working out get back He's going. He's thumping along, dump, 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 and and George is, is sitting in front of him, and every now and then George is starting to, you know, he he knows he's to work out the, uh, you know, maybe some chords for it. He just starts noodling along with it, and Ringo is patting on his th on his lap with his hands, just sort of figuring out a beat, and you would get moments in some songwriting. Uh, with the, with the guys where where Paul is telling Ringo says you know kind of hit it like this pat pat ta 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 pa you know he'd do that kind of thing uh, and I just it, it's uh, but these guys are coming up with parts of the song so why don't these songs all get credited to all the guys in the band why do they it just seems like there's something it's a it's a, it's a question I'm gonna have to formulate. A little better if I do ask George. Uh, I'll have to try to make it more clear what I'm asking. Uh, it's also fascinating this documentary for um, for uh, hearing bits of songs that wouldn't end up on 
the Let It Be album, but would end up on uh, um, on Abbey Road. One song in particular, Maxwell Silverhammer. They they work on that one. Uh, there's uh, George starts playing All Things Must Pass. He starts kind of playing that to the guys, and and they start noodling with it a little bit. That ended up on George Harrison's first solo record, all thing with the same title, All Things Must Pass. Uh, Paul sits down. There are several moments of Paul sitting down and uh, noodling with the song. Uh, I just just before I uh, turned it off tonight to uh, start recording this, Paul was uh, laying down a demo, just him on the piano for the song "Oh Darling," or "Oh Dar Oh Darling." I don't know, it's, but I think it's "Oh Darling" uh, from the Abbey Road album. He's laying down that track, uh, just a demo for it, just to, just to get something recorded to work on. And he, another song that you hear him, he's sitting on the piano, he's, he does the song Another Day, which is a solo uh, tune of his from, I think, his second solo album, Ram. It's off of that. And it's just, it's just, oh, these, these songs kind of hang around for a while. They get worked on for a while before they end up being completed. Very interesting. Um... They were working on the song "Don't Let Me Down," and uh, uh, which is a you know which is primarily a John, you know John's song written by John. He sings the lead, and there's this. I kept doing this while watching the the, the first part. I kept wanting to help the guys with the song because I know how the songs turn out. No, no, no! You don't want that lyric. <laughs> no, no, no! It's this. It's this. You know. It's, uh, <laughs> You know, it's not Jojo Jackson. It's just Jojo in the in the song "Get Back." It's just Jojo left his home in Tucson, Arizona. Not Jojo Jackson left his home in Tucson, Arizona. No, no, it's just Jojo. You know, I want to help him out. And so when they're working on "Don't Let Me Down," uh, you know, it, it's um, John. John would sing, uh, "I'm in love for the first time," and for whatever reason, they. Paul thought it would be a good idea that he and, and, and George, in a very high register, repeat what John sings. So, I'm in love for the first time. I'm in love for the first time. Don't you know it's going to last? Don't you know it's going to last? And I'm listening to that and going, God damn, get rid of that. It's horrible. <laughs> And they, they don't, I don't see, I have if, if the moment is there, I haven't gotten to it yet, but so far, I haven't seen the moment where they say, you know, let's drop that little high repeating of what John's singing that, that, that bit, and let's just all come in together when he does the don't let me down part, you know. Let's just do that. Uh, it's worth a watch, and it, it, I'm, I'm glad we got the Disney Plus, and we're signed up for a year, we'll see. You know, it's a little more TV to be watching. Oh, my goodness. Oh, speaking of watching TV, did you know that the the long-running uh, crime and, and law show, Law & Order? You remember Law & Order? Uh, it had gone off the air like 12 years ago. Well, it's back. The show is back, and they, they've... they've uh, uh, it's the same world, you know. It's got uh, the, you know some of the same characters that were in the series before when it left. Uh, the actor, uh, I think its name is Anthony Anderson, 
Uh, he plays a detective. He's reprising his role that he played at the end of the series, when, when the series had ended 12 years ago. Uh, Sam Waterston is back as Jack McCoy, and this time he's the DA. He's not an assistant DA, which he was before. So now he's the DA. Um, and then there's, uh, I think there might be one other character that is a holdover, uh, that's a return. And the other, uh, it, there's new people in there now, right? So it was on, it, it debuted, the first of the return of Law & Order, uh, aired on, on NBC last night. And Amy and I watched it. And about 20 minutes in, when they go to a commercial break, I turned to Amy and I said, I said, have we been spoiled by shows like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul and Ozark? Have we been spoiled by these shows? Because I, I said, because the acting in those shows is so much better than the acting was in this Law and Order Return. I don't remember Law and Order being so melodramatic. And I used to watch that show quite a lot. In fact, they used to have it streamable, uh, maybe not the whole thing, but they had it on on, uh, uh, on Netflix for a while. I used to watch it through there. And, you know, it, yes, some melodrama would be part of it, but it's just the acting was just not... There was something. something like It seemed like the actors were trying too hard, most of them. Um I just it, there was just something I, I it didn't it wasn't working uh, like my mom said we could tell they're acting not all of them uh, some of them were okay some some were better than others uh, but you know Sam Watterson's fine he's good he his Jack McCoy character felt like the Jack McCoy character from before we watched it before but it just I don't remember it being like this and I said that to Amy I, said, I just don't remember it. It, it, this this is odd and when I got home from work today. And Amy said she's been watching a, 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 a series called Young Wallander, which is another police detective type show. She's been watching that, and it's a new one. I think it's streaming on Netflix or something. And she just, I came home, and she says, you know, I just watched a couple more episodes of Young Wallander. And she said, yeah, yeah the acting is so much better than, than Law and Order. Than what we're, you know, not that they're bad actors in there. It's just, there's just something. It's just, it's weird. It's a weird deal. But I suggest that you check out uh, the Beatles Comeback documentary. It's, remember, it's about eight hours <laughs> of a documentary. So, you know, take it in pieces or watch or binge it. You know, what the hell? You know, you can sit. That's the thing. You, you, you could be faced with watching a three-hour movie. And you go, ah, geez, I don't know, a three-hour movie. Why don't we watch uh, Breaking Bad instead, hon? What do you say? Okay, let's watch Breaking Bad. And then four and a half hours later, wow, <laughs> we just watched four and a half hours of Breaking Bad. <laughs> or whatever. It's, I don't know. It's, a, it's, a, it's weird, but that's how we are. Uh, how I am right now is uh, ready for my next break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I'll be back after this break. Hurry, like the river. Do 
You know, if I can maneuver into a tight parking spot at the mall, I'm pretty much sexually satisfied. And I've been to the mall twice today already. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. He's endlessly pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim, and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Wash your hands often to reduce the spread of germs and disease. To wash your hands properly, wet them, apply a quarter-sized amount of liquid soap, and rub them together for about the time it takes to sing the happy birthday song twice. Wash the front and back, in between your fingers, and under your nails. Dry them with a paper towel if possible, and then use the paper towel to turn off the faucet and open the door. If soap and water aren't available, use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer. A message from the CDC. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Uh, so far, the Who are still on Spotify, so I I still have Spotify. <coughs> anyway, um, thought I'd do a couple skeptical things. Well, I've been doing those lately. Wow. This showed up on my Facebook page. It was an ad, a sponsored ad. Mate, you notice on Facebook? You're on Facebook, aren't you? You're on Facebook? You notice how their ads tend to look like a regular post? Like some, like a Facebook friend has posted something? You know, it has a little bit of copy and then it has a meme. And are you like me uh, on Facebook where you, you, you find it rather bothersome that there are you, that there are people on Facebook that their, when you look at their Facebook page, all it is is them sharing memes. That's all it is. They don't make any statements about their personal lives. They don't share any pictures of themselves or their family or friends. They don't. There's nothing like that. It's just meme, 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 meme after meme after meme. It's just all it is. It's just all it is. And I wonder, are those the bots? It's like they don't have a, a personal life. So they're pushing some kind of weird agenda with all their memes, or whatever the agenda might be. I don't know, weird or not. But that's, I don't, it's, it's just strange. Because I've had some people post up, and they'll, they might comment on my, uh, something I post, and I, and I go and look, I say, well, who is this person? I go and look at their page, and I scroll, and it's just memes. That's all it is. And it just seems like, what are you doing? So, to me, that's what it seems like, what are you doing? Anyway, so I was scrolling through, and I spotted this uh, this this uh, sponsored ad on my, on my Facebook page. <laughs> they don't know me too well, do they? <clears throat> uh, there's an image shared with it, and it, it shows a, a human uh, body that's kind of like in a ghostly white. Uh, it's naked, but all the good parts are blurted out. 
and uh, it looks like it has uh, uh, like a shimmery line going right strictly, you know, vertically down the center of the body with some color bursts along the way, which seems to me to be indicating the chakra stuff, you know, whatever. And it, and then it and it's got uh, uh, it's got this in a headline: the science of medical intuition. Uh, the science of intuition. The science of intuition. That sounds like an oxymoron. Sounds like uh, not an oxymoron. It sounds like a contradiction in terms. There's nothing scientific about intuition. Is there? Maybe. Yeah. How to learn and apply medical intuition to your life with Caroline Miss. I think that's how you say her last name. It's M-Y-S-S. Could be mice, but it might be Miss. Meese? I hate Meeses to pieces. Anyway, the copy, and I don't have the full bit. This is just enough. This is enough bullshit for you. Save 30%. The Science of Medical Intuition online course. Ooh, save 30%. Sounds like a bargain. Learn intuitive self-diagnosis and healing with Caroline Miss and Dr. Norm Sheely. Learn the, the intuitive self-diagnosis. Learn that, huh? And healing. You get to do this intuitively. You get to guess. What's wrong with you? And you heal yourself. Caroline Miss is called America's number one medical intuitive because of her documented 93% accuracy rate in a scientific blind study conducted by Dr. Norm Sheely, a Harvard-trained neurosurgeon, graduate of Duke Medical School, and founder of the prestigious American Holistic Medical Association, see more. Well, I didn't want to see any more. There's enough red flags in that whole thing. I mean, and Caroline Miss has been called. Called by whom? Herself? This Dr. Gnome? From him? Norm, sorry, Dr. Norm? Sheely? Did he call her? Hey, uh,. You know, America's number one medical intuitive. Oh, you're number one at guessing, guessing what's wrong with people medically. You, you're number one at it, huh? Because of her documented 93% accuracy rate in A, A as in one, scientific blind study. Scientific blind study. That's kind of awkward. How about scientifically blind study? I mean, blind of science study. See, in, in science, when you study something, you do what's called a double blind. So uh, the person who is conducting the study, making the observations and taking the notes of, uh, of the guesses that the person's being, you know, like they're studying somebody who who's, claims to be psychic, right? And they give them... You know, they give them these these you know a random set of things to do. <laughs> so yeah, my language is so great. <laughs> but yeah, the the person being tested 
doesn't know what's coming, and the person doing the observation and writing down the notes doesn't know it either. They're, they're, both are blind. The test is set up by somebody else. So the, the person that's jotting down all the information that comes out of the, uh, the, uh, the test, they, they don't know. Or it's like, like a medical test. You've got, a, you've, got, you've got three groups of people that are uh, doing a test of a, a new kind of pain relief pill. And you've got one group gets the pill, one group doesn't get anything, and the other group gets a placebo. And the person that's doing the studying of these groups doesn't know which group a particular participant is involved is in. The participants don't know which group they're in, except for the control. Yeah, they know they know they're not getting anything, but. The person that's getting the pill doesn't know if they're getting the placebo or the actual pill that's being tested, and the person doing the testing doesn't know that either. And then they, but somebody does, but they they have to keep it secret. <laughs> they just okay, they just set everything up, okay, and then the person that's doing the study, you know, so it's a double blind. A single blind would be the the people that are getting the 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 the, the actual pill. And the or or the placebo pill, they don't know which pill they're getting. But the person doing the testing, the person that's writing down the results and everything, that's asking the questions or doing it, they know. So that's a single blind. But ideally, you want both of them to be blind to to it, so that the pe person doing the test, like that's asking the questions, how would you rate your pain or whatever, uh, that they can't influence the outcome. But this is a this is one scientific blind study conducted by a guy who, you know, holistic the holistic medical thing. Yeah, he may be a neurosurgeon. Uh, he may have been trained at Harvard and be a graduate of Duke Medical School. But it doesn't mean he knows what he's talking about. And the holistic thing, I see that that that's a that's a that's a one of the bullshit alternative medicine things so uh, yeah I looked at, and then there's a video now I'll I'll link some stuff on the you know you, you'll see this little thing that I, I posted here on my show notes page go to dimland.com click on the uh, show notes blog option I'm not sure if I'll link to the video there's a video on YouTube there's probably a bunch of them with the introduction of her talking in one of these conference one of these you know pay 150 bucks or 200 bucks or whatever they pay the audience goes in there to sit and have somebody you know tell them how to live their better life and I always hate that shit when PBS puts that crap on you know the guy the the guy that walks back and forth in front of the crowd with no you know with his bare feet and this bald dude, mustache, and just talks about how they can be, you know, be their actualized selves or whatever. And I just watch that shit, and I just go, Fine, shut up. Just shut up. I'm not buying a single thing you're saying. Anyway, so this shows up, and it's an advertisement, because, you know, they, they Facebook has to tell you. They have to put in parentheses underneath the name of uh, the, the supposed Facebook user. They have to put the, the sponsored underneath it. Uh, and here's the best bit of this whole bit of bullshit. The sponsor is something called Sounds True. Hey, it sounds true. I guess that's good enough. What a bunch of nonsense. That's what you that's what we need. We need people just kind of thinking and, and intuiting 
What's wrong with them? And then psychically healing themselves and not getting proper medical attention if they actually do have something wrong with them. One last thing, another skeptical deal. Saw this on the Facebook as well. There's some YouTuber out there who thinks they found another UFO in some photograph. And, and they, they think they found in similar photographs that are more recent photographs. And it's a similar shaped item or object up there, uh, a triangular shaped. And this one is just ludicrous. It's absolutely ludicrous. And when they think they, what this YouTuber thinks they're finding, uh, when they find a speck in a picture that they blow up and blow up and just zoom in and 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 zoom in, so that any resolution that might be left in the picture is gone. They look and they find this thing and they just think, UFO, 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 look, look, look. And by, when I say UFO in this instance, uh, what that person, the YouTuber, is meaning, alien spacecraft, alien spacecraft, alien spacecraft. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. That's what they, they think that's what UFO means. And that's that's kind of what it does mean because of the popular usage of the, of the letters, of the initialism. But, they, but, you know, something else, an old saying that skeptics, when talking about UFOs, remember, the U in UFO stands for unidentified. You don't know what it is. So don't tell me you then know what it is. Okay? So this guy is looking at pictures from the Apollo 9 mission, which had, uh, which involved, you know, orbiting the Earth, doing a spacewalk, uh, and why they were doing spacewalks, I, I thought that seems kind of odd. They're, they're, they're training to land on the moon. They're not going to be walking in space. But, but apparently that was part of it to, a, to test out the life support backpack thing, maybe. I, I think that's what they were doing it for. But anyway, he finds a picture from Apollo 9, that mission, which took place in 1969. Hey, we're back in 1969 again. And the picture is of the Earth. It's the the full square of the photograph is 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 filled with the Earth. You see clouds over uh, tan colored ground, and and the clouds are sort of line in lines going across the sky. Uh, and one thing that he says, which is just you know, he says, well, the picture is on its side, so let's put it the right way. And he flips it so that the the lines of clouds aren't vertical now. Now they're horizontal. And I thought, uh, young man, the YouTuber, young man, in space, there is no on its side or upside down or not the right way up. There is it's you know, the Earth. It's just however you're looking at it. We just we've just trained ourselves to see the Earth in a certain configuration. But really. It, it doesn't matter. But anyway, that's just a little pick. In the photograph, he has to put a circle around it in, his, in the YouTube video. There's a tiny, teeny, tiny, little, itty, bitty speck that he must have to be, you know, he must have just been staring and staring and staring at the, oh, look, there's a little tiny speck there. Let's zoom in and zoom in and zoom in and zoom in and zoom in on it. Oh, it's a triangular dark shape. 
like the ones I found in the pictures that were taken on space shuttle missions. <clears throat> Excuse me, I have to take a swallow. <clears throat> Got a little worked up there. <clears throat> and I throat getting dry. Winter. Everything dries out here. <clears throat> and for some reason, this is evidence. And again, the 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 evidence that I that this person is pushing is that that this is the, the thing that this is evidence for is you know space aliens are visiting us. Really, from that, I I had somebody on Facebook ask the question. Uh, uh, do do you just ask uh, just an open question? Do you believe that aliens have visited history uh, and intervened in its past? It visited Earth in, in its history and intervened in its past. You know, words to that effect. And that was the question. And I answered, no. Which elicited the response that I was expecting. I was expecting at least one thing to be said. Because it happens all the damn time. Somebody who believes in UFOs as, as being alien spacecraft and asks me if I think that they're alien spacecraft, and I say, no. Their next statement is, well, you know, space is so big, you can't think that we're the only intelligent life in it. And I then I have to say to them, that's not the question you asked me. You didn't ask me if I thought there was intelligent life somewhere else in the galaxy or in the universe or even in the solar system. You didn't ask me that. You asked me if I thought, if I believed the claim or the claims that alien life forms have visited Earth in its past and helped build the pyramids and, and currently are coming down here to make crop circles and stick things up rednecks' butts. You asked me if I, if I thought that that stuff is happening, and I said no. You didn't ask me if I thought there was intelligent life somewhere out there. You didn't ask me that. Those are two different questions. So that's, but that's something that happens almost every time and that happened when I said no and then I said to him I says I that's not what you asked me is there intelligent life out in space uh, somewhere out there maybe is it visiting us no how would they know we're here how would they get here yeah I don't care if how much of a head start they might have they might not even know we're here and it's and, and even if they got a huge head start on us which is what this person was suggesting that's an awful. That's still. It's a. It's space is really big. It's going to take a long time. It's a huge ex, uh, expenditure of time, of energy, and and money. It's expensive. Even if, who knows what kind of a system they have, but you know, you're not. I don't think a Star Trek or Star Wars like space travel is ever going to happen. I don't think it's ever going to happen. Maybe I could be wrong, but. I just don't think it's ever going to happen. Space is too goddamn big. So back to the spec guy. Spec guy puts it up there, and I'm going to just I'm going to just end this little talk on this same thing. I've said it before. It's it come. I've heard Stephen Stephen Novella, the host of uh, the Skeptics Guide to the Universe, uh, say this. It's a great podcast. You should watch it or listen to it. He says, you know, uh, words to this effect. The reason why every single photograph of 
a UFO, of a Bigfoot, of a Loch Ness monster. Every single photo, every single video. The reason why the reason why they are every single one of them they are blurry. The reason why is because if they were in focus and detailed and we could see what it was, we would know what it was. And it would always be, and it always has been, something mundane. UFO pictures have to be blurry. Bigfoot pictures have to be blurry. Otherwise, we're going to know it's the you know, the energy, uh, it's the uh, fire plume, whatever, from the back of a jet engine of a, of a commercial liner many miles away from the, the video camera that's taking the, the video. Or it's going to be a, a bear standing uh, next to a tree. It's going to be a log floating in the lake. If there was a detailed image, we know what it is. It has to be blurry, so we can't know exactly what it is. So then we can we can all think, oh, it's a spacecraft. No, it's a blur. It's a blob squatch. It's it's that way every time. It's that's how it has to be in order for the stuff to exist. Because if it was in focus, we would know what it is. Good night, doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. Well, that's the end of another week's show. Uh, you've been listening to Dimland Radio and the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Wash your hands, keep your distance, wear masks, still wear masks. Get your vaccinates, get your boosts. Let's let's go. Let's get the stuff done here. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Better than fuzzy photographs. A little triangle that's blown up to huge, oh, stupid. Uh, and I'm reminding you to sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Wow. Wow. Well, well I'm going to hell. hell.